Hey, what's up? This is Brandon Christensen, and you're listening to Drinking and Screaming. Listeners to season five, episode three of Drinking and Screaming, a queer and feminist podcast about horror movies and cocktails. I'm Char, and my pronouns are she, they. And I'm Callie, and my pronouns are they, them. And this week, we're kicking off the month of October by watching the Shudder original Superhost from 2021. And as you heard, we're going to be joined by a very special guest for this episode. Brandon Christensen, the writer, director, editor of the film, will be joining us for an interview in our Scaredy Facts segment. But first, we have an inspired cocktail creation that we picked to match the mood and themes of the movie. So we picked this drink to be fresh, fruity, and fun to enjoy while you're being stabbed or begging folks to smash that bell. (laughs) This episode will contain discussion on harm to animals and violence. If either of these things are something that you need to not hear about today, feel free to skip this episode and we'll see you next time. Did I make the drink this time? I mean, neither of us (laughs) made the drink, but I figure, why don't you tell the story of us visiting Shoeswap Cider Co.? Uh, Yeah, so we this is our first local sponsor since we moved to Salmon Arm, and uh, we went over to their place. They were closed, uh, but we got a private tour, and we got to see um, all. How, I mean, we got to see how to make cider, which was uh, a first for us. But uh, yeah, they seemed really nice. Uh, they're new. They just opened during the pandemic, and uh, now we, we are drinking. Such a variety of cider flavors as well. And while we were talking to Brandon, as you'll hear later, he recommended that for this episode, we have something fruity, something hoppy, an easy to enjoy beverage. So we chose their cherry rosé flavor of ciders, which was actually my favorite of the uh, entire flight that we tasted while we were there. I know you were partial to the lavender one. Yeah, the lavender honey. Yeah, that was also really good. Mm -hmm. I'm going to read the back of the can here so that you have all the information on this Shoeswap Cider Co. Cherry Rosé. 100% BC fresh pressed apples, ripe and luscious cherries have been fermented into a light wine and then blended with our delicately balanced apple cider to create this on point blush. As you watch the sunset on the lake, let the soft hue of cherry rosé wash over you. Did you have your first sip? Mm hmm. And all of that was right. (laughs) (laughs) It is washing over me. Uh, we were recording at night, so the idea of us uh, doing it like light and everything so uh, summery and stuff uh, didn't really make sense. So <laughs> it's dark and dreary in here, but this is helping pick us up for it. <laughs> and the film was so bright. It takes place almost entirely during the day. And this is such a great like either late summer or early fall cider mm-hmm. to enjoy. For me, I find cider is totally a fall drink, but of course I'll have it at any point in the year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I you know, I I know that ciders specifically like hot ciders are very fall like. I have never had a hot cider. Uh, I don't think I have either. I've had like a mold wine or I've had apple cider, like the kids drink that's hot, hmm. but not an actually alcoholic hot I don't know cider. If I've even had that. I'm going to make that a goal for this season. Not not our not drinking and screaming season. The literal real world <laughs> season uh, is to have a hot cider. Nice. Yeah. 
Yeah, we're kicking off the month of October with this super host film, a Shutter original, which does sort of, it's kind of ambiguous what the season is, but I think it's kind of chilly where they're at. So I'm going to say it's fall. <laughs> Why not? Before we get started, I have to do a shout out to all of our patrons. Thank you all so, so much for supporting the show. Every little bit counts. You paid for this cider that we are enjoying today. <laughs> Thank you so much to Curtis R, Aiden T, Lulz Bear, Nicholas G, Jacob M, Diana S, Les Represent Podcast, Jackie V, Janet S, Cat K, Redhead Rebellion, Colleen D, and Aubrielle. You all are so amazing. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. Now be sure to smash that bell and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> this week, we watched Superhost, which premiered on August 14th, 2021. It's written and directed by Brandon Christensen and edited by Brandon Christensen as well. Starring Sarah Canning as stressed out Superhost content creator, Claire. Ozark Chow as Superhost partner and proposer, Teddy. Horror veteran, Barbara Crampton as that bitch from Draper Vera. <laughs> and Gracie Gillum as the charming Betty Lou 52 slasher killer, also known as Rebecca. And that's all of them. That's the entire cast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, film during COVID, it, it had to be small. This synopsis was written by Anonymous on IMDb. With their follower count dwindling, travel vloggers Teddy and Claire pivot to creating viral content around their most recent super host, Rebecca, who wants more from the duo than a great review. And that's it. Honestly, that was short and sweet. I think that makes sense. Yeah. And just to give you a rundown, if you haven't had the chance to see this super host film on Shutter, Teddy is planning on proposing to Claire during this trip. So he keeps filming little updates for the audience. And meanwhile, things continue to go wrong. Wrong door code, shitty internet and phone service, broken toilet, and then security cameras that have audio recording and talkback functionality. Mm. Things get weirder and weirder, including an amazing interview scene of Rebecca, <laughs> aka Betty Lou 52, where she screams at the top of her lungs before being the cheeriest super host ever <laughs> instead of leaving the youtubers decide to keep filming because rebecca is quite the character and probably will help them gain more subscribers a jilted past super host comes out to the property to confront claire and teddy but rebecca arrives to scare her off as a way to apologize for everything going wrong on their trip and to ensure she gets a great review, she goes into the Airbnb while everyone is sleeping to make them breakfast. Later, while Claire and Teddy are enjoying the breakfast, question mark, Rebecca buds into their conversation over the security camera speaker, which makes them decide to cut the trip short. Teddy also comes across some mail delivered to the house to Betty and Lou. In the car, they get stopped on their way out by Rebecca, who, it turns out, worked with that other Airbnb host to pull a prank on them by fake stabbing her in the <laughs> woods, scaring Claire and Teddy to death. Before they leave, Teddy asks what happened to Betty and Lou, which sadly causes Rebecca to actually start her real murder spree. It turns out she was a previous guest of this Airbnb that didn't want to leave. So she killed Betty and Lou, the original owners, when she had outstayed her welcome. Nobody makes it out alive in this film except Rebecca. And we see Rebecca add Claire's engagement ring to her necklace filled with rings, trophies from previous kills. 
Claire had managed to upload a video pleading for help before being killed, but all the remaining subscribers of Superhost assumed it was fake clickbait. And we see Rebecca close the laptop after reading a strew of negative comments. Victorious. (laughs) Hit me with that trailer audio. Uh, All right, Rebecca, uh, we're going to start off with a friendly introduction, like a, hi, my name is Rebecca and I'm a super host. Do I look at you or at the camera? What's up, guys? What's up, guys? What's up, guys? You think you come out this far to get away from all those crazy people, but then you get to this house and you realize that the host might be even crazier than those people you left behind. Now that is a trailer. (laughs) Oh, that was so good. I think they did show a bit too much. Um, It was like all of the spoilers i think of that movie basically yeah i think having claire the clips of claire at the end where she's filming the the help video on youtube is a little bit too much i mean it's also kind of you would assume from the premise of the film that rebecca isn't really the host of this airbnb but still leave a little bit of a surprise i did kind of go into the movie unsure what the reveal would be um okay yeah so i think if if you haven't seen it i guess at this point we spoiled it all for you but it's, <laughs> it definitely feels like one of those movies where just go in and watch it kind yeah. of mentality um i liked that it seemed super self-aware when it uh showed all the times that teddy said what's up guys what's up guys because that's <laughs> a huge that's everyone on youtube does that oh yeah i thought that it was great at the end how it was like don't forget to like and survive <laughs> <laughs> i like that uh, do you have any thoughts uh yeah my um since we're gonna be doing shorter thoughts since we got our interview coming up uh my big point uh and my big takeaway was that i really like that teddy who is like the only male character in the entire movie isn't like some big alpha male chad bro guy yes um we've like we see a lot of especially like um going out alone as a couple movies where the guy has to be like this douchey asshole who's like don't worry babe i'll save you and then and always treats the woman like trash also yeah i liked that he seemed very um believable like he's a vlogger from the city he obviously wouldn't know what to do in this situation and you can't just immediately pull all of these survival ideas out of your ass if Mm -hmm. you've never had to do it before um he even says it yourself he's like i'm not a hero i'm a vlogger and it's like yeah that (laughs) that totally makes sense i thought it was really relatable i mean we are content creators so uh, this movie extra hit hard for sure with all the don't forget to subscribe (laughs) you know we appreciate our listeners which we really do but it also felt very relatable in the sense of how much they flounder at the end yeah with what you were saying about like how to survive how to pull out all these tricks that we see so frequently in horror films when you're in that situation of that fight, flight or freeze, people forget about that freeze of yeah. fight, flight. It would have really sucked if his girlfriend was like in trouble and then he saves her and it like became this trope of like, oh, even if you are a vlogger, you can still find that within yourself and rescue the woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that they didn't and they all fucking died. And yeah, it was it was really good. I liked that. Yeah. It, it felt modern to me. Um, that it would be presented that way. The character of Teddy also, I really enjoyed seeing this romantic side of him. Yeah. 
you don't really get to see that very often. Um, of course, you hear the stories of massive proposals, et cetera, et cetera, that people put so much work into for their partners. But seeing his perspective of the whole first half of the movie, setting up each little surprise so <laughs> that he could have that final reveal was very, very heartwarming. And yeah. then Claire totally ruins it by thinking that it's fake. It's we didn't for the mention content. it in the, yeah, we didn't mention it in the synopsis but she sees the camera set up and then she just jumps into this whole persona of being a performer for this proposal, assuming everything is fake. I don't know why she assumed that. Oh, it was so heartbreaking. Yeah. I mean, you can, I don't know. I've, if a normal person sets up a camera in the woods and then proposes like that's, you just assume that you want it for the memories, but to immediately be like, Oh, this is such a great idea. Lulled. You're not actually proposing. It's for the, the hot content. Yeah. Uh, is really sad. Oof. Like, why can't it be both? Maybe it's for the hot content, but also genuinely proposing and really cute. Yeah. I guess she's just really stressed out also. So it's bad for me to think too negatively of her. Yeah, there she's getting supported by her port partner's parents. Ugh. Oh, <laughs> who does that? Ugh. Ugh, gross. <laughs> uh speaking of, are you done with your point? Yes, that is my that is my point. Uh, I'm just speeding along because we got to get to that interview. I'm so excited for everyone to hear it. But speaking of the subversion of the tropes of that um, male dominance characters and having that that alpha male persona be flipped on its head with Teddy and with Claire sort of being flipped on her head, too, of kind of being the negative person in the relationship. <laughs> I really want to talk about Rebecca. Mm -hmm. She was an amazing horror villain. I thought it was um, fantastic to see the subversion of expectations for women in horror films in general, who are basically 99% of the time the victims that scream before they get impaled <laughs> while they are half naked which fine if you want to be half naked props to you but it's annoying when it's all the time on horror films uh but then also female killers are typically seen as mother figures you know pamela Voorhees, ma from ma annie from misery etc etc they are these caretakers and it's not too off the beaten path because she's the Airbnb host, but it turns out she's not even the Airbnb <laughs> host. She is just a serial killer who had to take on the persona of being the Airbnb host to be able to try and make her way out of being caught. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was really well done. She's very multifaceted. You find out some of her history about how she loved Betty and Lou and wanted to stay with them. Or did she? Mm. But also, you really root for her as a killer. She was so fun to watch. Brandon Christensen gets really into that about the character of Rebecca in the interview. So I won't go too into detail. I'll let him explain his creation of her this character. But I really appreciated it. I thought that it was really fresh and fun, just like this cider. <laughs> um, yeah, I totally agree. I think um, sh her motivations being her own was definitely like a huge big win for this movie because it's not like, Oh yeah, I got to avenge my husband or my, it's like, yeah, I'm doing this cause I fucking wanna. Yeah. <laughs> and she seems to have so much fun with it. Especially at the end when <laughs> she takes over the camera and is like making her own super host video. You love to see someone enjoying their work. <laughs> but yeah, that's it for me. So, um, I've been, 
checking out reviews of Airbnbs. Obviously, we can't afford to go to one and it's COVID, but, you know, Mm -hmm. it's a pastime. Um, And there's been a lot of mention of, like, people's book collections and how weird they are. They got, like, they got, like, weird propaganda books and, like, Fifty Shades of Grey. (laughs) And I've really been seeing, like, this one popular book pop up that's bound in flesh with human faces on the front. Oh. So I picked it up and it's time to open the Reconomicon. I keep sometimes accidentally changing the cadence. It fucks me up. <laughs> Don't forget to like and subscribe for the Reconomicon. Smash that face button. <laughs> What's your recommendation? Uh, mine is a loose recommendation. So a while ago, we watched The Cleansing Hour from 2019. It's another horror movie about content creators getting their comeuppance. It wasn't great uh but we did it did have some fun points and i don't remember leaving being like ugh, what a waste of time so i loosely recommend the cleansing hour from (laughs) 2019 my recommendation is not loose whatsoever it is a hard-hitting recommendation (laughs) for z from 2019 hey same year This has the same amazing writer and director. You definitely want to check out this film about an evil imaginary friend named Z. The first one to ever lately make me scream out loud while we were watching it. And you really want to check out this film. Listen to the tone (laughs) I'm saying this in. Mm. What could you possibly want to listen to Z for? Hmm, I don't know. Maybe you'll find out later this season. Z from 2019. (laughs) We're going to take a moment to talk about our socials and sponsors. This season of drinking and screaming would not be possible without the continued support of Mad Lab Distillery. With us since the very beginning, this distillery is Canadian and we love everything they create. Most of our cocktails these days are used with their bitters and their various things. We may have gotten some more bitters from them that we will include in some of the cocktails coming up this season uh you can get their amazing products at a private liquor store near you or at madlabdistilling.com they have some new liquors coming out we got a shipment i am excited mm-hmm. of course we are also shouting out sush shoe swap cider co that is a tongue twister <laughs> uh, they gave us a fantastic tour of their cidery their ciders are sweet light and crisp you can buy them at a private liquor store as well shoe swap cider co now say it 10 times fast. Shoe Swap Cider Co. Shoe Swap Cider Co. It's a little bit easier <laughs> if you go fast. <laughs> and Evil Amy is continuing to sponsor us. She has a ton of horror goodies on her shop for you to buy. It's run by a Canadian couple just like us. And you uh, can get 10% off your purchase if you use code EVIL10 at checkout. And they ship globally at EvilAmy'sTerrorShop.com. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at drink underscore scream on Facebook at drink and scream. And you can email us at drinking and screaming at gmail.com. For more information and to buy some merch, go to drinking and All right, guys, let's get back to the episode and remember to follow review and hit that subscribe button. the point of our show where we're diving into scaredy facts but as you heard in our intro today we are joined by writer director and producer of Superhost, brandon christensen hello whoa what is up how are you two doing not bad yeah excited um awesome 
this film came up on my recommendations on Shudder and was such a pleasant surprise. Um, and then I saw you post on Twitter about the the cast and crew size, which was like, what, 20 people? <laughs> no, not even. I mean, the most that we had on set in one day was the uh, the big the forest day with Barbara Crampton. Uh, right. We only had that was 14 total people. Wow. So Holy normally cow. we were around 11 ish total, including the cast. So it was pre- it was absurdly small. Wow. Yeah. Um, that actually can dive into my like first question of how much you're the first person that we've had on the show that's done a film during COVID. Uh, right. How much did the pandemic really affect your creative process and the filming as a whole? Um, I mean, budget wise, it seems like the average is like 10 to 15 percent of your budget goes towards COVID related things, testing, having a uh, um like a COVID safety officer to be there and, you know, monitoring the crew and stuff like that. So, I mean, the biggest uh, thing that happened was just sort of having those costs to sh- go towards that rather than things like crew or anything like that. So we really had to just sort of look at our crew and figure out what was the bare minimum we could get away with. And that's pretty much where we ended up. Like we had no PAs, we had, uh, you know, no assistant director or anything like that. So it was like, it was just very bare bones. And I think um, from a writing perspective, I mean, this script was pretty much written during COVID as well. So it, it was built to be small, you know, and it mm-hmm. was, I, we always assumed we would shoot it during COVID. So uh, I'm sure that when I was writing it, there was a lot of decisions made about what would happen with set pieces and things like that to keep it in a place like in an open forest or in the house that we would have control of. Cause you know, the more pieces you start adding to a script and you're dealing with this unknown quantity that is COVID um, it just adds more like question marks for everyone. So um, yeah, I, I'm sure that, uh, you know, uh, story wise, it was definitely contained more, but um, crew size was definitely, you know, uh, we probably lost three or four people because of it. Yeah. Wow. That's it's interesting that you wrote during COVID as well. So it was already prevalent in your mind. So I'm sure that helped mm-hmm. as you were saying a lot. Um, I think this might actually be the first movie we've watched that was also uh, written in with COVID in mind. It's really yeah. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the, the, the idea came from uh, an experience I had when I was doing the film festival circuit with Z. So the, you know, like the initial thrust of this film wasn't related to COVID, but once, you know, once I started getting to that, that point where I was like, okay, this is going to happen. Um, and I was actually starting to actually write, it was kind of like right as COVID was starting up. Cool. Um, with like a smaller cast or smaller crew, sorry. Did you find that it was harder to get the effects you wanted? Were, were many of them practical or were they added in digitally? Like that knife stab in the face. <laughs> right. So we're jumping right into spoilers, but uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, it was, um, I mean, it was supposed to, I mean, it kind of was what it was supposed to be, but um, we had a series of different knives that we had built for the film. Like uh, there was a dulled version of it. There was like the ceramic version of it that, you know, couldn't stab or cut or anything. And then there was just like the hilt and then the blade totally separate. And that was what we were going to use for that effect. And the problem was um, that was the biggest day of the shoot by far. Like that was when we had the most people. Um, that scene was mm-hmm. massive. It was like 47 different setups or something like that. And because of the way that you shoot, uh, you, you know, you can't get, you can't start with the blood because you have to start clean. So you're kind of working through the scene linearly. 
And then you get to the end and that's when it's kind of just like, okay, we got all hands on deck this thing and, and everything, but there isn't that many hands. And we, <laughs> we had totally run out of sunlight. So we were at the very end of the day and we had to do all this blood and gore effects and stuff like that. So what we did was what we meant to do, but it, we just didn't have the time to make it as, you know, as cool as it was going to be. It was just one of those things where it's just like, we ran out of time. We ran out of all these things. So I'm just like up there holding pieces of knife against Barb's <laughs> face and just, you know, like shooting all these reference plates. And then it kind of all came together in post. So if you look at like the raw footage, there's just a lot of different pieces that are going on in that shot. Like there's the top knife, the bottom knife, uh, Rebecca stabbing. That's a thing. Like Barb's eyes are all different pieces that we <laughs> yeah, shot. Yeah, that and, was really uh, cool. Yeah. And so, it, it, I mean, it, it's cool. It works it's super fast. But um, it was definitely intended to be, you know, put the knife on her, like actually fix it to her face and have it as a practical element rather than how we did and it. in so, and out. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just it is what it is. It's just time. Yeah, that's cool. Our trivia section is also for like people who generally don't watch horror movies who get like too scared, the desensitized <laughs> hearing what like the breakdown is kind of calms uh -huh. people down. So I have to ask how the cat body was made. <laughs> so that's really funny. Cause like I was looking on eBay and, and things like that for some sort of realistic stuffed cat or something that I could use. Mm -hmm. um, and then someone, I don't remember who it was, but they sent me um, an Etsy listing where some guy makes just he, like, zombified version of animals so you had like rats and all these different things and then he had a cat and it was really cool because you you have like all of these different toggles like you can pick what color it is you can pick <laughs> what color the eyes are you can say how much of the face you want exposed do you want maggots or do you not want maggots and just like little rice but it was it was wild and i was just like holy crap and it was like 60 bucks or something like oh, that wow. so i was like this wow. yeah i was like this is amazing i gave him a credit in the film under props just because it was just like the perfect thing that we we needed, mm -hmm. um, and I still have it. It's just, it's very soft. It's it's really. I mean, it looks amazing. I should have grabbed it before the before I started oh recording gosh. so I could show you. But well, yeah, we got to see it at the end. That'll yeah, be a treat just for us. I, I can run out and, and grab it when we're all done. Oh man, that's so interesting though. That like, I, are you just gonna bring it into a future film now? If you ever need a cat. Body? Yeah, it's, I, I don't know if I need like a cameo for for a dead cat. I'm not sure, but yeah, it's it's definitely just like a cool thing that I have now. I mean, you know, I since it's just such a low budget film, like I, you know, I'm looking for props myself, and so right. it just it just ended up being a thing that we found, and uh, yeah, it worked worked really cool. It, only for like half a second, but so. <laughs> it, it was impactful. had the impact. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're going through all of these big moments. We might as well also talk about um, Claire getting that knife uh, sliced to the throat. Uh huh. Was that must was that practical as well? Yeah. So we had um, the makeup girl Jenny. She made like a, a silicone piece that went around her neck, and it kind of had punctures in it, so it would you know shoot blood. And she had a pump off screen, and we had like a tarp on the ground and stuff like that. That's why when uh, when, you know, the, the way it's filmed and edited, it, it starts on kind of a wide shot and you can mm -hmm. see the ground. Then it cuts to the lower shot looking up because we have just tarp everywhere to protect the ground. And uh, yeah, so basically we, we it was one of those things again where like time you just don't have. So we did two takes. One, the blood didn't really come out. And then the second time it just, you know, kind of squirted out here and here and ran down kind of the, the middle of her neck and it looked really cool. So in post-production, I had to basically just paint out the why, like the the thing that was around her neck and then just add a new cut being added 
uh, in mm. pretty much the same spot. And then there's just like a little bit of extra CG blood, just like a, a little bit of spray that you can, it's a, a barely perceptible. Just for an extra flavor. <laughs> yeah, just, to, just so you see it a little bit more for sure. Yeah, that's so cool. With um, with all of these like massive stabbings and deaths, mm-hmm. uh, the character of Rebecca, I really wanted to talk about her because we on Drinking Screaming, we talk so much about how, I mean, all female characters, most female characters in horror are either the final girl or, you know, just the women screaming and being killed. Mm-hmm. Then you get the villains who are always like the mom stereotype or the caregiver. And I find that Rebecca is so not of that mold. And I wanted to hear your thoughts on how you you built her as a character and that whole process working with uh, Gracie. Um, I mean, I I don't know. It, It was just one of those things that I thought would be really interesting when when I was coming up with the script. So basically I had that. Uh, this this experience in Toronto when I when I stayed at an Airbnb um, and the toilet didn't work and I had to have the host come out and he came with a plunger and he's plunging the toilet and we're having this stupid small talk and <laughs> and he left and it was fine and it was just you know kind of left me with this this strange feeling of just like man that this is such a weird situation like some <laughs> total stranger is staying in some total stranger's place and he's plunging my pee and <laughs> and it's just like what you know like what a weird thing that is happening and so that kind of idea just stuck with me and then it was when i saw creep which was you know i was really oh, late yeah. to the game on um i just sort of loved the idea of having a character like that that was you know obviously bad but so enthusiastic and so um, just so lovable that you can't help but just root for him through the whole thing. So even though he's going to commit these horrible things, he's so nice to everybody when he's doing it <laughs> that you just can't help but love him. So that those were kind of the two pieces that that kind of created Stillborn or not Stillborn, sorry, Superhost. And uh, don't worry, we'll have you on for that too. <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah, and 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 it was just like I didn't, you know, when you're trying to come up with this character, it just seemed really interesting to me to make them, you know, kind of young, a younger character that you wouldn't really see happen very much. Like it's, you know, a 20 something, Mm -hmm. not a big, not a dominating appearance or anything like that. They're just smarter and they're, they, you know, they can hide behind this big, bright smile that, um, that, that kind of disarms anyone, you know? So it's, it's just, it was just kind of an interesting thing to, to kind of play with because, you know, typically, and, and, and you'll even see it in the comments with this film. It's like, why didn't they just fight back? And it's like, well, I don't know. I mean, there's flight, flight and flight or fright is a flight or <laughs> fight is a thing for a reason because, you know, you don't, you know, that's what, it, you know, when it comes down to yeah. what are you going to do? And obviously these two people aren't exactly like, you know, they're not the strongest people. They, they live off of views. All they care about is views and things like that. So I I think the, uh, the flight kicked in more than the fight, but, um, it made it very relatable too. the fact that they didn't really fight back. Like mm -hmm. Teddy grabs a fire poker and we were like, yeah, but also what are you going to do with that? I mean, she's, she's probably killed quite a few people. I mean, you can see that necklace. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. I'm I'm sure she's handled more than, than this Teddy guy, you know, some vlogger. So yeah, it was just, it was just kind of like, how do you make someone not only lovable because of what they're like, but also try and remove that sort of brute force ability that these people have you know and so it it was just kind of all these pieces and just kind of twisting the idea of what a psychopath is on its head a little bit and trying to find you know some some pieces that that haven't really been seen before 
Yeah. And with finding the the right person to bring that character of Rebecca to life with this casting process, were, were you involved in that? I mean, you seem like you're involved in every single yeah. aspect of the film. So <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. I mean, with this one, especially because again, low budget, like we can't afford to hire a casting director or anything like that. It's just money that, you know, had to go to COVID and things like that. So um, the way we cast this film was basically just friends and friends of friends like Sarah Canning. Um, I worked with her on Z. So we, you know, I kind of wrote the part for her, you know, with her in mind. And then uh, Osric was my friend's roommate at the time. And so <laughs> I was very familiar with his work because they had worked on an indie together. Um, and then Barbara Crampton, she had actually uh, reached out to me about some other scripts, uh, you know, a year and a half uh, ago or some, you know, some, sometime, and it just never really worked out, but I had her in my roller de- Rolodex at that point. So I had this role, I sent it out, you know, sent the script to her and she just, um, she's like, yeah, let's do it for sure. It was only a couple of days for her. Right. And then Re- Rebecca was the last one that we cast. And that was always kind of like the movie kind of lives or dies with her. So it was such mm-hmm. a big decision, but, um, we, we, we actually talked to a lot of, uh, pretty prominent actors and, um, they were all super into it, but they were just doing their own things like, you know, working on Netflix shows, working on other shows and stuff like that. So they just couldn't do it. So we were talking to one actor, uh, Sierra McCormick, and you can see her, her name in the credits under production matchmaker because uh, <laughs> she was shooting a film. Is it what we don't see Is that the one that just came out? Mm-hmm. I can't. I, I, oh, no, no. I can't. What's it called? I don't know. Uh, a movie came out the day after Superhost. Um, and, and she was one of the leads in it and, uh, yeah, she was shooting that while we were supposed to shoot. So it just didn't work, but she was like, Hey, I've got this friend, Gracie Gillum. Um, she's awesome. You should check her out. So I, you know, I looked her up online, watched a bunch of her, you know, her teen, her teen beach stuff with Disney. (laughs) I was just kind of struck by that larger than life personality that she was putting on the screen, you know, like this, the giant smile, the giant (laughs) eyes, those kind of exaggerated, um, things that she does for the camera. And I was just like, that's totally Rebecca, you know, like that, that fakeness that you put on for these things is totally Rebecca. And that's like the mask that she wears that slowly cracks and deteriorates as you, you know, as the, the movie's going. So, um, yeah, it was just like a total luck of the draw kind of thing. We just happened to be talking to the right person who happened to be booked, who happened to have the friend. And, uh, you know, we wound up with Gracie and it was just like, uh, you know, when she came on set and she started doing it, we were just like, oh, wow, this movie is, this is a totally different movie than we thought it was going to be because we shot the first week without her. And it was a very standard house horror movie, (laughs) like, you know, bumps in the night, people Mm -hmm, talk, whatever, mm -hmm. all that stuff. But then Gracie comes in on week two and three. And it was just like the whole tone of the shoot pivoted with her because it was like there's this goofy energy on set now you know all of a sudden it's like you know just kind of weird and off-putting and we're playing with these ideas and it was just like i don't know it it was it was super fun to play with her though she was you know she definitely sunk her teeth into it oh yeah yeah. she made the film for me for sure (laughs) i loved watching her and that moment at the end where she's like should we let them wonder and then (laughs) give the people what they like you never right. get to see that. I thought that was such a nice touch. Yeah. We yeah. watched it again before the interview and my favorite uh, monologue in the entire movie is when she's like, Hey, welcome back to Superhost. This is going to be the best episode yet. We're hunting down <laughs> Teddy. And I'm like, yes, right. this, this feels like a vlogger just like, Hey, I got to <laughs> be upbeat. It was so great. That was funny. Cause we actually shot that, um, 
in week two, the first day that we ever shot her with blood on her. So mm. just like, you know, you shoot everything so out of order that we're establishing the blood look before we actually do the blood stuff with Barb, which was in the third week. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, you know, we get the blood on her face, we get the blood on her pants, all this stuff. And um, when we did the blood on her shirt, uh, it, it like dried really pink. And so it looked like ketchup or something. Like that. It didn't look like blood. So we actually had to reshoot that vlog scene. And her performance that she did originally um, was so insane. that, <laughs> And I was just so bummed that we couldn't use it because like the blood didn't look as good as it did in the third week when we finally figured it out. So we had, I had her like rewatch her take over and over and over. And she's very musical. Like she sings and all that mm-hmm. stuff. So she was kind of like remembering it by the way, you know, like copycatting it. Mm-hmm. And then we had her do it a bunch more like that. And uh, it was pretty close. It never quite reached the highs of that first time, but um, you know, it, it's, it's so funny and she never blinks, which is hilarious to me. She's just like <laughs> wide eyed and just never blinking. It's just so, so insane. And then the laugh at the very end when she's like, ah, ha, ha, ha. Um, that was actually the laugh that she did in the first time. I just put it over her um, attempt to match that laugh. Cause she, I don't know what she was on that first time she, she did it, but <laughs> it was insane and it was so funny. But, uh, yeah, so we got to use parts of it. That's, That's so awesome. funny that she had to try and emulate what she was making because, Kelly, do you remember your comment when we were watching it? Oh, was it when she was wa- wandering through the yeah. woods? Yeah. I mm-hmm. wanted to know if like you just gave her a camera and told her to improv while running through the woods because it <laughs> felt of, so off the yeah, cuff. <laughs> I mean, I, there was scripted moments there like the the Theodore and yelling, those things like that. But um, what we did, like, because the camera was massive, you know, it wasn't, you know, whenever Sarah has that giant camera, that was smaller than the camera we actually shot the vlog stuff with. So the cinematographer Clayton was basically holding the camera like this, you know, holding it up for, for her and she would put her hand on it. So it kind of looks like she's holding it. And then he would walk around with her. Um, and we would anything, anytime she's on camera talking and like vlogging and stuff like that, that's how we did that. But then we did give her the camera to kind of walk around the woods and I'd be just off camera, just like, you know, saying, uh, you know, she was making up songs and she was just like <laughs> filming the ground and all that stuff. So she did. It was a very kind of just an improvisational moment where we got to do it. And it was, again, one of those things that we did twice because the first time the blood didn't look that good. Mm. So I was just like, yeah. ah, I can't do this. And it sucks, actually, because there's that scene. There's the moment when they're trying to um, call the police on the alarm panel and it keeps stopping. And then they look and it's like, oh, Rebecca's here. And, they, you know, she's standing out there with the clicker her blood was just like super pink on her shirt. And I was just like, Oh no, I can't, like I couldn't reshoot that. And so I had to, you know, in VFX, I had to darken everything mm. on her chest and make it kind of, uh, just a little less kind of ketchup. <laughs> yeah. You know, it just kills the moment when you look at someone and it's not that dark, gross blood. Yeah. <laughs> Would you say that the blood was like one of the biggest issues in filming? Like, I'm always curious about uh, any onset stories about like that shot, like the most difficult shot, the one that caused all the problems. Um, the blood wasn't too bad. I mean, it's such a technical thing. I mean, when you're shooting like the deaths and stuff like that, they need to be, you know, you, you, there's very little improv with how you're shooting it like that. You know, like you've got the shot of Barb getting the knife in the head or her stomach being stabbed. Like those shots are planned ahead of time. So there isn't a lot of, you know, you just do it and you have it and you're good. Um, the, like the, the continuity of the blood, like if you watch closely and you look at how much blood is on her face at any given moment, it's all over the map because it's such a, you know, we shot it probably on six or seven different days. We would shoot pieces of that sequence. 
And so it was always just different. And like, you know, she's driving home after killing Teddy and there's barely anything on her face. Cause that was done that first time. And then uh, when she gets back to the house, it's like blood everywhere. <laughs> and it's just like, it doesn't match, but no one's really paying attention to that. Um, the, I, the hardest shot, it's a really stupid one is uh, after Rebecca fixes the toilet, she comes back and is like apologizing to Teddy. And then Claire walks in and she's like, um, you know, I, I got through all of the answering, blah, blah, blah. And mm -hmm. then it dropped my call. And then she walks up to the computer and sits down and, and does that. And that was all supposed to be this like big sweeping dolly one that we set up. It was like 25 feet of track. The camera was supposed to sort of track in with her and then curl around her face. And she was supposed to, you know, be watching them and listening to them talk and like getting the idea of like, oh, wow you know, we should, we should think about, um, you know, exploiting this girl. And it was all done in this one take. But then when I was editing it, I was just like, actually, I'm going to go back before we, we shot like 17 takes of it. Cause it was such a big move and there was focus yeah. pulls and all these things. So we did it over and over and over and over. And it's, and when you watch it, there's like one quarter of the shot is used because <laughs> when I was editing it, like it didn't, it didn't ever register that that's what she was thinking when she was looking at them, you know? Mm. So like the camera spins around her and she's watching them talk and, it, and you're supposed to get this sort of feeling, but it didn't happen. So I basically just, um, shot shots of the computer. So she's like, you know, looking at, at her subscriber count and, and it's kind of connecting it that way. Like, Oh, my subscribers are down and I'm looking at her. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I had to I actually had my, my cousin's wife, come in to, or come to my house and just shoot her using the computer pad with her hand. Mm -hmm. And that's why if you watch the credits, there's like uh, Sarah Canning's hand double for that one shot. <laughs> oh yeah. We saw that. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's what the shot is. It's just her, you know, my cousin's wife using um, the mouse pad on the computer because I needed to connect these pieces. And then the scene finally worked. Cause like I was editing, I was like, this is so dumb. Like we're sitting here forever. The camera does this big move and it doesn't matter at all. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the story was totally lost. So we, we, that's, that's one of those things where you can in post-production kind of rewrite specific pieces to make them land better. And it works way better now. Like you get an idea of what she's thinking and then they go out for a walk and she's like, we're losing subscribers. And it just kind of ties them together nicely. Um, I wanted to know, cause you said that uh, you were inspired by creep, uh, but you're mm -hmm. a bit late to it. Have you always been like a horror fan? Has this, been like your direction? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I was a kid, I would, uh, I, I saw the it miniseries when I was six and it kind <laughs> of like left this scar inside <laughs> of me that, you know, was, uh, for a long time, really kind of punishing me as a kid. Like I would always have these recurring nightmares about Pennywise, but, um, growing up and just, you're always kind of looking for that high again and chasing that high. And especially when you get into your teen years and you have a little bit more access to like finding those, those random movies like the August undergrounds and stuff like that, where you're, you're kind of searching to be shocked, you know, and you're like looking for those, those gore uh, situations and just like, what is the most extreme thing that you can do? And you and your friend are just kind of like always trying to get each other scared and hyping each other up because it's just, there's just something so weird about scary movies where, um, you know, it isn't, it isn't just, the movie itself, but it's sort of what it leaves with you afterwards. You mm -hmm. know, like when I remember seeing Candyman the first time and then all of a sudden you're terrified, <laughs> like the idea of saying Candyman five times, it's like, that's no, I can't do I would it. Never yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah. can't do that. You know, you see the ring and it's like, anytime you see static on a TV, <laughs> it just sort of leaves that imprint with you. And that, that's, that's, that's always kind of been the cool thing about horror. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was, it was always something I definitely grew up with. Like you'd always have the, 
Halloween nights watching horror movies with your parents and and just sort of like pushing the envelope a little bit every year. Um, but Creep was just sort of a blind spot for me. I mean, there's just so much stuff coming yeah. out now that it's impossible to keep on top of it. Like Midnight Mass just came out. Damn. I still haven't seen it. No spoilers. Yeah, I haven't started it yet either. Because <laughs> it's just like, you know, I just had a yes day with my kid. Yeah. I can't, you know, I, uh, I'll definitely watch it though. You know, I love Hill House and Mike Flanagan's, you know, he's probably the best working right now. But um, yeah, it's just one of those things where it just kind of slipped by. Um, and then randomly watched it on, you know, on, on Netflix. And I was just like, wow, this is awesome. Then I watched the sequel and just as good. So it's just, um, you know, it's just, it's tough. I mean, to see, there's just like impossible to see everything, you know? Yeah, for um, sure. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you know, Malignant came out. That was an interesting ride. Uh, did you guys watch that one yet? Uh, yeah. We also oh, really? are like, we're, we have such a backlog right now. Like, yeah, that's what I mean is it's like impossible. Yeah. There's, there's always blind spots. Yeah. You should watch Malignant. It's a crazy experience. I watched it, uh, the first night and I was just like, I did not know what to think about it. It's a, it's a very strange movie. It's fair. <sighs> Do you have like a favorite horror movie? I mean, that's a, it's, it seems hard to answer, but if yeah. you've got something that comes to mind. Whenever people ask me that question, it changes, it varies on the yeah, day. Same. <laughs> For sure. I mean, that's the problem with horror is that it's so broad. Like what is a horror film and where it's like, it's like comedies. Like there's so many different subgenres of comedy and of horror that it's hard to really pick the, my favorite, you know, like, um, so the, the kind of default answer I give is the Blair Witch Project nice. just because of the experience I had when I saw it, because I saw a pre-release screening with my cousin at midnight and I had no idea it was fake. Like <laughs> the marketing for that film was all hundred yeah. percent real. This stuff's real. These are kids that went out in this forest in Maryland. And so when I watched it, I just, I, you know, I was in the eighth grade. I, I assumed that what I was told online was real because this was before <laughs> you know, my viral marketing became a thing. It was just this brand new concept that we could, Oh, we can market this thing as if it's real and that'll cause people to talk. And it did. And it was on the news and all this stuff. And it, and it just, when I saw it, it was just, ne I'd never have ever been as scared as I was when I saw that film. <laughs> I mean, that's a good it's answer. Not like that now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely a movie, you know, a product of his time. It's doesn't hold up that well, but it's just so revolutionary for horror. I think, mm -hmm. you know, it, even though it wasn't the first found footage film, it was the one that kind of put it on the map and made it, you know, it was like a global phenomenon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you, with the way that Superhost is so like YouTube oriented or whatever, like video site oriented. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> Unnamed video yeah. site. It's <laughs> <laughs> definitely YouTube overlays. Um, right. Did you find that there was any, t was there any point in time where you were considering making it a found footage film? No, I mean, it was always... You know, I, I, that's not my style at all when filming, you know, I'm very like, tr uh, sticks and dollies and, and I don't like to, um, you know, I, I don't like to use handheld unless there's a reason to do it. Um, and that's just a personal preference, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was always just kind of interesting me to me to, uh, to mix the two formats, you know, a little bit like yeah. since they are YouTubers, sometimes you see what they're seeing. And, and I always thought it'd be kind of cool at the end of the movie, if the camera had gone handheld, because he's been stabbed and he's kind of losing blood and things are going crazy. So you've got this like hectic two different cameras going back and forth and cutting, you know, and it's like, he's got the cinematic camera on him, but it's really kind of a wide angle lens and Revenant style kind of shooting really close, but with wide lenses. And then she's got the vlog style and she's walking around and stuff like that. And just, it was just kind of an interesting, um, uh, 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 sequence setup, I thought. And so, 
Um, yeah, it was, but yeah, it was never a thing where I wanted to do a full found footage. I, I, it was, it was fun to kind of experiment with it mm -hmm. and it's amazing how fast you move. But, uh, yeah, it was just, it was always just sort of a way to help push the story forward and show what they're doing. And I think people that, you know, understand how to shoot, you know, that kind of content, they probably were like, oh, wow, that's like pretty legit how <laughs> they do it, you know? Yeah, it went. I mean, the editing style of their YouTube videos was so like whiplash for me. Yeah, uh -huh. <laughs> great. You did a good job. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was. It was watching a lot of Mr. Beast. Okay. Just, um, that's you know the white text on the screen and the yes. explosions and stuff like that's totally out of his playbook. And then th them discussing like their clickbait stuff, and then she's like, "Well, it gets eyeballs." I'm like, oh, yeah, it's that's too real." <laughs> yeah, it's it's true. It does. It it's what people want to see. Yeah. Yeah. But apparently not when it's a genuine message of we're being murdered. Oh, they that don't want to so, see that. What an ending. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who knows what they've, you know, who, who knows what their show is like for their fans to turn on them that fast. You yeah. know, like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, before we say goodbye, we talked about your, uh, the scene that caught or the shot that caused like the most trouble. Was there something that was mm. your favorite to film? Um, so one thing that was kind of interesting and it's not really my favorite as much as it's just kind of like the story of shooting it and putting it together and how it ends up the way it is, is kind of interesting. And that's the first night when Teddy goes out on the balcony and sees the glowing eyes. Yes. So, oh, I'm glad we're so, talking about that. Yeah. So this is just kind of an interesting thing that kind of goes into a lot of behind the scenes things that an audience would never know. And, and it's just one of those things like when you watch that scene in a vacuum, it's cool. It's creepy. It makes sense. But then when you kind of look back on it later, you're kind of like, what was up with the glowing eyes? <laughs> yes. right? yeah. yeah. And so the answer to that is, is just so complicated that it's, it's kind of over <laughs> the top, but um, basically how, you know, we, we shot the first part with Teddy and, and Claire on the balcony in week one. And then we didn't shoot the second part until the, like close to the end of week two with Gracie. So we, the, as scripted, basically Teddy goes out, um, he looks out, he sees a figure out in the distance. He waves at it. It doesn't wave back. Claire scares him seeing, you know, seen over. But when we shot it, uh, we shot Teddy like that. He waves all that stuff like that. He reacts, he leaves. Um, but when we were shooting Gracie, the first thing I was worried about, I was like, I don't know if anyone's going to see her right away. You know, like mm -hmm. if it's just a shape in the darkness, I don't know if everyone's TV is going to be able to pick up the detail mm -hmm. of her shadow and the impact of that, like the music hit there is going to land. And so, um, David F. Sandberg, he, he goes, uh, you know, he does all those movies and he does, he, he goes by pony smasher on YouTube. He did an awesome video called the problem with darkness. And it talks about even with Hollywood movies, just like how dark can you go and still see something? Um, cause I, when I'm editing and stuff like that, I'm seeing it in a pretty good light. Like I've got it all kind of dialed in, Yeah. but if someone's watching on their phone or someone's watching on another computer monitor, that's not whatever. Um, you never know exactly what they're seeing, you know? And so my first thought when we were filming this, I was just like, I don't know if anyone's going to see her or at least uniformly see her. So let's add some reflective tape to her eyes. So we put some, uh, uh, some reflective tape on these sunglasses, threw it on her face, and then we filmed her doing it. And it was just like, okay, cool. Now we can see her. This looks cool. It looks kind of badass. Um, 
let's uh you know teddy tried waving i was just like there's that weird wave in donnie darko let's mm-hmm. just have her wave like that so she does this weird kind of like stiff wave and <laughs> yep. i was like great okay we got it so we ha- we have the scene i'm like great i've got i've got everything i need if i need to you know do whatever in post so i'm editing the film i put it together and um i'm showing people the scene and everyone's just like oh the eyes are cool that looks really creepy i'm like okay cool like you can see it everything's working all the all these all these technical things and, you know, kind of ignoring the whole story part of it, which is like, why are her eyes glowing? <laughs> and I mean, Sarah, I mean, Claire's character, you know, she says like it was probably just an animal. And that was kind of the justification. Like when you see an animal at night, they have the glowing eyes. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the, the 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 back or, you know, you go and then you go like, well, animals don't wave. So <laughs> it's just like a, a kind of a hole there. And. Everyone I showed it to prior to finishing the film, they're all like, oh, no, that scene's cool. I love that scene. It's really, you know, it's badass. And they never really thought about it. Neither did I. And then like a week before I delivered to Shutter, my wife watched it and she goes, you should lose the eyes. And I was just like, well, no, you can't do that now. It's been, like six, it's been like six months. I've still got like 30 VFX shots to do. I was like, there's zero percent chance I want to refigure out that scene. And she's like, no, you're going to regret it. You got to lose the eyes. And I'm like, God, no, I'm not losing the eyes. Like everybody said it was cool. And then, uh, you know, I finished the film, I send it off. And uh, we did our, our first screening at Popcorn Frights and the, the only screening. And the, we did a Q&A at the end, the very first question. Someone goes, Whoa, what was up with the eyes? And I was like, God damn it. And it's like, it's like, the, it's like when you get a bad haircut and you have to go to school and you go to school and you're just like, I just need to get through today when I have my bad haircut and hope nobody really mentions it. And the very first person's just like, Hey, what's up with your hair? <laughs> you're just like, come on, man. You know, it's just like, I've got the self self consciousness about this one thing. And like, it's just like, you know, someone has to, of course, poke. You, yeah. know, poke you gotta it. just suspend the disbelief though. Yeah. For me in my head, I don't know. It was kind of like Mothman esque. <laughs> yeah, and for sure. it just was but, like creepy. And that's the thing is it's early enough where it's like, you don't really think about it again. Cause the movie kind of increases oh, its pace yeah. so fast. But when you're, when you're done and you kind of look back at it, you go like, what was up with the eyes? And it's like, there's just so many reasons that we got <laughs> to that point. The biggest being like, I just wasn't sure the impact of him seeing her would land without really seeing, you know, so that's kind of the main answer. It's a long, complicated answer of how, (laughs) how, how, how how kind of haphazardly films are, can be made. You know, it's just like, ah, different decisions happen and it just is what it is. It added a mystique to her. I think Mm -hmm. at that point that paired with like her strange behavior initially, Uh I was like, is she like a skinwalker? Like, was this Rebecca girl, someone who <laughs> totally. owned this place and now a creature has taken over her? But Someone uh, on Reddit said, like, it would be cool if she had, she just assumed he had, she had like night vision goggles. And I was like, <laughs> well, if I ever do a prequel, I'll just have her buy night vision goggles yeah. and then yeah. use night. And then it's just, it'll close that hole right exactly. up. Exactly. Thank, yep. thank God that plot hole is filled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Talking about a prequel, I mean, the ending of this makes it seem like there could be a sequel. Mm-hmm. I want to watch the uh, Superhost channel with Rebecca running it. <laughs> or I, Betty yeah, Lou, that'd sorry. Be, that'd I, be legit, funny. I legit thought I was like, I would watch a YouTube channel where it's like a serial killer filming herself murdering B&B or Airbnb people. <laughs> I don't know how long that'll last on but YouTube. Like, you know, like as, a, as, a, as like obviously made <laughs> right. up, but I'm like, that sounds awesome. I would watch that. <laughs> yeah. It's like a slasher, a vlog slasher kind of updated normally. And yeah. just, that'd be actually pretty cool. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how, where a sequel might go. I think a prequel could be pretty interesting to see where she where got she all got those rings. rings. Yeah, mm. totally. 
I actually didn't even make that connection until my second viewing. The first time I I noticed the necklace, but I just thought like, oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. that's like a cute like I didn't. It just went over my head. Trinket. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But then the second time. Oh, well, that's (laughs) another thing, too, that just like that's the magic of having people together when you're making a movie, because that wasn't scripted either. Like when we did our first costume or not costume wardrobe fitting with Gracie, she came over and uh, my wife bought all the clothes and stuff for these actors. And. Um, she bought just like a buttload of rings. And so she had a bunch on her hands and she still had like seven or eight left over. And I don't even remember who said it, but it was just like, oh, that'd be interesting if she put them on a necklace and it was like her trophies. And we were just like, oh, that's really cool. <laughs> and then on the last day of filming, we had to do some setup in the basement scene because we were shooting that whole basement on the computer. Sarah dies, Teddy gets stabbed, all that stuff. Um, we had a, a short break. So it was like, let's run upstairs and shoot that sequence with her putting the ring on the thing just so we have it. And it was really, you know, it took us like 10 minutes to shoot. So we were just like, let's just run, get it. And then we have it. And it was just like one of those things that we always had in our, the back of our minds through production. Like we need to, you know, we need to do, get these rings sort of answered. Cause, and it just became like a thing that people go, Oh wow. The ring, <laughs> yeah. thing, you know, and it just became a thing. So it's just funny how movies are made and they're so just like, you know, when you, when you, at least when you allow them to, like they, these things can happen. Mm-hmm. Just these magical ideas, I guess. Uh, before our, our last <laughs> question is always um, about cocktails, as that is the second half of our show. We usually make a drink to go with the film, but mm-hmm. because we haven't done uh, through the magic of editing that first half <laughs> of this episode yet, mm-hmm. um, what would you, if you were making a cocktail for Superhost? Anything you would throw into the mix? I think it, you would need something light and f- fruity. I think like a nice seltzer would be good for this movie because it's kind of summery. And, um, you know, this movie kind of came at the tail end of summer. Um, It's definitely like not a very dark film. So I think it's kind of, you know, it's always sunlit. It's always kind of, uh, you know, it's moving like a little roller coaster. So I think just having like, you know, a Bud Light seltzer, (laughs) um, something kind of fruity, uh, cherry one maybe, and just sort of sitting back and enjoying it and not taking it too serious, you know, too seriously. Nice. Yeah. All right. Now we've got uh, yeah, quite a few to go through. That's good. That's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you so much for coming. This has been such a blast. And I hope that we can have you on again soon. Yeah, for sure. Sounds good, guys. Thanks. Oh, what a great interview. Thank you so much. This is just right into my final thought of absolutely love chatting with Brandon. Thank you again for coming on the show and offering us so much insight into the filmmaking process of your creative vision. I'm looking forward to all the future work that he does. Um, I am a big fan now. Can't wait to keep up with it all. (laughs) Uh, My final thought is that we've actually had a lot of really good luck with horror movies lately. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know if like this year is these couple years have been really good for horror movies. It's almost like there's something horrifying going on that really <laughs> it empowers people to make scary movies. Yeah. Um, and it, they all just really feel fresh and crisp and refreshing. These, uh, all these movies we've been watching lately. I've so. been with how COVID has been affecting the world. It's really great to still see horror thrive. Mm-hmm. Small sets or not small sets, but small cast, uh, small budgets, indie movies that are still fucking fantastic mm-hmm. not just movies too like we watch it we're watched we watched squid game and we're watching midnight mass we got so much horror to watch it's great Ooh, so good well that's been Superhost, a movie about that content creator grind that we all know too well 
Next week, we'll be watching a film voted on by our patrons. It's a battle of the sequels. Would you rather we watch Scream 2 or Child's Play 2? You decide. You decide. Make your choice. (laughs) (laughs) By voting at patreon.com slash drink and scream. Let us know. Very exciting. And remember, always scream responsibly. You're really good at that. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Drinking and Screaming. Drinking and Screaming is produced and edited by Charlene Bear. Our sound engineer and logo designer is Kelly Wright. And it's hosted by, yep, you guessed it, Kelly Wright and Charlene Bear. For bonus episodes, Patreon poll voting privileges, and exclusive rewards, become a patron at patreon.com slash drinkandscream. Want a shout out? Review us on Apple Podcasts and we'll read your review live on the show. For more information, check out our website, drinkingandscreaming.com.